ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. Today I want to share with you, this was actually um, like a lady session that I gave recently at a family camp that my husband and I spoke at. And the Lord just really used this lesson in my own life as I studied through the scripture and applied it to, to my life and to our family and to my marriage. And so I just wanted to kind of reshare that. I know Maybe a few of you listening have heard this, uh, but the majority of you haven't. So I just wanted to share it um, on this podcast. So I'm just going to jump right in because I have a lot to cover and I don't want to have this be too long, but I want to talk today about what is a Christ-centered family. So this family camp that my husband and I did, the theme of the camp was a Christ-centered family. And as I really started thinking about what is a Christ-centered family and praying through, you know, God, what does it look like to have a family that is centered on you? The Lord led me to different passages of scripture and and I have an outline of, I believe it's four different ways and, and aspects that we'll take a look at a Christ-centered family um, and what that looks like as we are seeking to have a Christ-centered family. And as we go through this, I just want to throw in here at the beginning This does not just apply to the family unit. Um, This applies to how to be a Christ-centered individual, how to have a Christ-centered marriage, um, how, you know, things, uh, biblical application for having a Christ-centered church. So it's so much more than just family, but because it's a podcast about motherhood and marriage and womanhood and all of that, uh, I'm going to present it in the Christ-centered family. But just remember, you can apply this however the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart as we all seek to be Christ-centered in our own lives. But let's answer the question, what is a Christ-centered family? My definition is pretty simple, but it is just simply a family that is centered on Christ. So let's dissect that a bit. What does center mean? Center means to fix on a central point. Okay, great. So let's break that down. What does fix mean? Fix means to attach firmly, to establish, to set permanently. I love that word, to attach firmly. So a family that is centered on Christ, they are fixed on a central point. That central point is Christ. So a family is attached firmly to a central point, and that point is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now that we have that established, um, let's talk a little bit about just families as a whole, Christian families, um, unsaved families, families that we see in the world around us. You know, families are centered on so many things these days. Um, They're centered on sports, on entertainment, on a social life, academics, the pursuit of success or wealth or status. Um, there's just, there's so many things. It really could be um, just an endless list of things that we give that central point to as a family unit, things that we strive for, that we attach ourselves firmly to. And 
obviously, all of those that I mentioned are not the goal. Um, as, as believers, our only goal should be the pursuit of, the, of Jesus Christ. But so we see so many families that are centered on so many different things. And I'm not saying that it's bad to have an emphasis on academia or to enjoy entertainment or to enjoy sports. But the difference here is being having your family centered around these things. I think we all have experienced a family that is centered around sports. Um, you know, so they're willing to miss Sunday night church to watch the Super Bowl or a ball game, or they're willing to let their kids miss Wednesday night church to be involved in baseball or whatever. It's just God doesn't have the priority because something else has superseded that in their life as a family. We need to be so careful that as believers, as we are growing in our walk with Christ, as we seek to have families that are infused with Christ, that he is the central point of our home, that nothing else supersedes him. Um, Whatever that looks like, whether that's church attendance or an emphasis in your home on, you know, the right kind of music and entertainment or an intentionality in family devotional time. There's your family will be defined by what the central point is, by what you are centered on as a family. Um, your family will kind of revolve around that, and we want that to be Christ and Christ alone. You know, and the Bible talks about in Matthew six thirty three of what really matters, and it says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we are to seek first the kingdom of God, and and everything else falls under that. Everything else is lesser when compared to Christ. Colossians three two says to set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. I don't think we could have a better verse to sum up this portion of what I've been talking about, about families being centered on so many things. God says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Our family should not be centered around anything that is earthly, but only on that which is eternal, and that is Christ. And you know, we can't be centered on Christ if we do not intimately know Christ. Um, You know, God intends for our relationship with him to go so far beyond salvation. I am thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful for my eternal security, and I'm thankful that Christ died on the cross, but but he wants so much more for us than than that. He wants to be our savior, to save us from our sins, but he doesn't want to leave us there. He doesn't want us to leave him there. Uh, John 10.10 says, I am come that they might have life So life in him, eternal life in sin and in our sin nature, we find death, but in Christ, we find life, but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, I'm just come that they might find life. No, he goes beyond salvation. He says, and that they might have it more abundantly. He wants to continue as we go from the old man to the new man in that transformation of salvation. He wants to walk with us day by day by day as we are conformed into his image, as we learn more about him, as we fall in love with him, as he reveals himself to us. He wants to walk with us. And this is an all-consuming relationship. You know, I, I think about my husband and, you know, we talk about it. We, we were married seven years in July. So what, it's about seven and a half now. Um, 
But we we laugh sometimes because we're like, I thought I loved you on our wedding day. And I did. I could not have loved him more on that day. But now I look back and I'm like, I didn't even know what love was. I love him so much more now. And I'll probably say that again tomorrow. And, you know, as we have journeyed through life together, as we have went through happiness and sorrow, and as we have learned more about each other and shared our hearts and grown in our love, it has just changed so much from when it first was. And and that's what it should be. You know, that that's an earthly example of husband and wife, but you know, a, a spiritual example, that's what it should be with Christ. This should be an all-consuming relationship that the the more that we walk with him, the more that we learn of him, the more that we intimately know him, the more that we become centered around him. You know, Simeon is my favorite person to spend time with. Um, I love my kiddos and I love every moment that we get together. Um, but you, Simeon even trumps that. I, If I could choose anybody to be with, it would be Sim. And then my kids would be a close second. Um, but I love him. I love all the time that we get to spend together. And you know, it, sometimes I'm like, we're together so much just the way life is for us right now. And I'm like, it's still not enough. I just, I want to be together all the time because I love him. But am I like that with the Lord? Do I feel like that with the Lord? Do I wake up in the morning and be like, Lord, I love you so much that I just want you with me through every step of my day. Some days, yes. Most days, no. And and that's a convicting thought for me. But, you know, our God wants us to know him. He wants us. He doesn't want to be a mystery. He wants us to get to know him on a, on a very intimate level. So as we're talking about the Christ-centered family, what is it? What does it look like? My first point, I, I don't think I've ever had an episode maybe where I had points, but this was a ladies conference session. So it's a little bit different than, um, than some of my podcast episodes. So point one is the Christ of a Christ-centered family. So, you know, we could easily fall into a kind of a cliche Christianity and say, oh yeah, I'm a Christ-centered family. Um, You know, sometimes we just think, oh, because we are two saved, you know, a husband and a wife that is saved, oh, well, that makes us have a Christian home. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's the case. We aren't, we don't have a Christian home just because we are saved individuals. Um, that's a Christian home is something that you have to work at and invest in. Um, and, and I love this term, Christ-centered family, even beyond that of just a Christian home. Um, I, I think Christ-centered family just hits that bullseye even more narrow as we talk about having this family that is centered on Christ. But you know, to be truly Christ-centered, you must know Christ intimately. We talked about that. And we have to allow him to infuse into every area of our life. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So at this point, my life is not my own. I have, I'm, my old man has been crucified with Christ. And this life that I now live is the life of the Son of God, is the life of the eternal one that he has given me through him. And you know, as I think about this, as I think about all that God desires for us as believers, how much do we know about Christ? What what are his character? What is his character? What are his attributes? What are his names? What do they mean? What does Jehovah Jireh mean? What does Jehovah Nisi mean? What are his promises? Can you name his promises? Can you find scripture to back 
the promises that you know to be true about God. And the more that we know about our Savior, the more we fall in love with Him. And, you know, I, my first thing, is, if you want to be a Christ-centered family, first of all, you can't be a Christ-centered family if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So if that is something that you haven't done, reach out to me. Emails nohighercallingpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on social media. Um, if you have another person in your life who is a Christian that you can talk to, that is the best decision that you can ever make. And that is the most foundational decision that you need to make as, as an individual, as a wife, as a mom. Um, that that's that's the level that that that's That's the lowest level. That's the foundational one that you have to get established is that I know that I am a sinner and that Jesus Christ paid for my sins and I have accepted his payment on the cross for me. You know, but beyond that, um, you know, as we as we continue in this uh, unending pursuit of Jesus Christ, as my pastor would say, you know, as we fall in love with Christ, as we desire to have a family that is centered on Christ, we have to know Christ. You know, if if I don't know sports and I don't, my husband loves football. I've tried. Well, maybe I could try harder, but it's just sports has never been my thing. I'm not good at sports. Um, I remember being a kid and getting like anxiety every time it was gym class. It, it's just not my thing. I could do so many better things with my time than watch a ball game and you to each his own. Maybe you love football, but I cannot be centered on sports because I don't know anything about sports. Um, now, I could be centered on other things that I do like and that I do enjoy other than Christ, and, and I shouldn't be. And there are times where I have to check myself on that. But, you know, as, as we're getting into this talk about a Christ-centered family, you can't be centered on Christ if you do not know him. Um, so we, we have to know him through salvation, and we have to be knowing him more and more as we pursue him and as we fall in love with him and as we just invest our hearts into God's word. The second point is the character of a Christ-centered family. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, so that is an amazing thought to me, that we can have the mind of Christ. We can think as Christ thinks. Now, we will never be perfect, but as we strive more like to be like Christ, we should be thinking more like Christ thinks and like Christ would think. And, you know, every day we should see a, a closer walk with our Savior. Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, this is talking about the mind. Paul gives a warning, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the things that the world centers themselves upon be what you center yourself upon. Be transformed. And how are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind, by the washing of our mind, by the word of God. Philippians 4.8. Um, I, I share this one with my kids all the time. And I told Simeon just the other day, I had it memorized. But with my littles, I always say, hey, let's think on things that are true, honest, just, pure, and lovely, and of a good report. And then I actually went to try to quote the verse. And when I added the whatsoever things are, it tripped me up because I just am used to spitting out those, uh, those key words. But at the end, it ends with, you know, okay, all these things. It says, think on these things 
things. We are to think, we are to meditate, we are to have these things, truth and and love and things that are of a good report filling our minds. You know, I, I found I came across this quote that the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. And and again, that that supports my last point is you know, if we don't know Christ, we can't love him and we need to know him. As the mind of Christ is developed in us individually and as a family, we will be conforming more into his image and his likeness. It's just how it works. You can't you can't fall in love with Christ and have his word wash your mind and not be changed to be more like him. And the character that defines him will start to define us as individuals, as a spouse, as a family. And that's what I want. I want my family to have the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and that is a continual pursuit. Again, that is not something that we will ever pertain as, oh, our family is like, you know, is perfect as we, as Christ is perfect. But as we continue to walk and continue to grow and continue to follow him, there should be steps more and more towards Christ-likeness. The third point is the cost of a Christ-centered family. Um, You know, I said earlier, you aren't a Christ-centered family just because you are a saved mama and your husband is a saved daddy. There is a cost. There is an investment. There is um, work that must be put in to be a Christ-centered family. Colossians 3.1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. James 4, 7 and 8, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. In all of those scripture verses that I just read, there are so many um, action verbs. Seek, um, present, submit, resist, draw, cleanse, purify. Those are not things that just are happenstance. They don't just happen because we're just la, 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 la through life. No, those are things that we have to be very intentional and, and working at to accomplish. Those require effort on our part. You do not become a Christ-centered family by happenstance. There is a cost. There is a sacrifice to be made as we mortify. That mortify, when God talks about mortifying the flesh, mortify means to put to death. As we put to death the flesh, that requires work. That requires an investment of our heart and of our time and of our mind as we mortify the flesh. We put it to death. And as we live under Christ, as we pursue Jesus Christ, as we grow in Jesus Christ. And you know, the cost for every person is going to look different, but being intentional about our relationship with Christ does require something of us. You know, your cost might be a sacrifice of time. You know, spending time in God's word every day requires me to, to sacrifice time that I would give to something else. Now, it's something else that would be much less than the time that I would spend with Christ, but I do have to work at getting that time in my day. It could be prioritizing what is most important. And that kind of goes with that, that sacrifice of time. You know, you have to look and say, is Christ preeminent? Is he supreme over everything else on my to-do list? If not, something needs to change and I need to put in the work and the effort to figure out what needs to change. 
do I need to stay up late? Do I need to get up early? Do I need to give up, you know, TV time? Do I need to invest nap time? What do I need to do to get that time with Christ? What is the cost and am I willing to pay it? And and our answer should be a resounding yes when we realize the cost that Christ paid for us. But, you know, again, with all that, maybe a schedule change. Maybe, you know, as you're being just one area that God is working on us about in, in this trying to be a Christ-centered family is the area of hospitality. In using hospitality, using our home, using the resources that God has given us, the abundance of, of food or whatever that God has given us to minister to other people, whether whether we're trying to encourage other believers or whether we're trying to reach out to unsaved people, um, that's one area that God's been working in our home about. But you know, it might require require a schedule change. If we want to be consistent and um, you know, have a routine in this ministry of hospitality, you know, we're gonna have to say, hey, okay, maybe this is hospitality night and we're gonna block it off and we're not gonna give this night to other things. Or, you know, that's just one example. And and again, in light of what God did for us, that's us. That's the cost of that is like nothing, but it is something that doesn't just happen. Again, I have to think through this. I have to plan. I have to get with Simeon, compare calendars. When can we make our schedules work so that we can try to pursue Christ in this area that he's speaking to us personally about in our home? Um, another area that is a cost as you're trying to be a Christ-centered family is in the area of being a gatekeeper. If you haven't listened to the uh, episode that Simeon joined me on, oh goodness, I I don't even know what number it was. I think it was like in the 20s, so go back. But it, it's called gatekeeper. Um, so this idea of being a gatekeeper is just as, especially mom, parents together, but really the woman kind of almost being kind of the, the guard of the home, being the filter of the home, whether it's, you know, mail or entertainment or different things that are coming in the home, trying to filter out what does not glorify God and say, no, we're leaving that outside the door. That's not coming in our home. We're keeping our home a place that is centered on Christ. But being a gatekeeper, there is a cost to that. Um, you know, that re- that requires time. As your kids get older, that requires a relationship with them where you are maybe sometimes prying but or conversing or, or getting in their hearts to say, hey, what's influencing my kids? What do we need to filter through and say, okay, whoa, this is worldly thinking. This is a negative influence. We want to keep our hearts and our, our homes centered on Christ. You know, maybe it gets a little more intense here. Maybe the cost is ridicule or rejection or misunderstanding. I know personally, um, that is something that I have faced even from family as they have just questioned some of my choices or different things. And, and that, that's difficult. It's difficult anytime we face rejection or ridicule or misunderstanding, but it's extra difficult when it comes from somebody that you love. But, you know, I, I had to just come to the place where I realized that I answered to God for me and what he had given me stewardship over. And that was my marriage and my children and my home. And I didn't need to make an excuse. I didn't need to make everyone comfy cozy with every choice that I've made. I didn't need to, you know, say, well, this is my list of reasons for why we do this or why we don't do this. I don't need to give that to everybody. I need to have a good testimony. I need to keep the right spirit. But I answer to God and God alone, and that had to be enough for me. I'm a people pleaser, so that was a very difficult cost um, that I, I have had to pay. 
in the pursuit of Christ-likeness in our home in certain areas, but it was a cost that I'm willing to pay because I would much rather be this gatekeeper and be a wise steward of what God has entrusted me with than to cave because I'm squeamish about being uncomfortable from some of this ridicule and rejection. And instead of being just accepted by everyone and everybody being happy with all of my decisions, no, I, I have to take a stand on some things. And, and that's going to go against the grain sometime, but it's a cost that I'm willing to pay. So, you know, these are just some of the different costs that have affected me personally. Maybe you're paying a different cost in the pursuit of Christ-likeness in your home. You know, I'm, I'm thinking now of people in Afghanistan who their cost, oh my goodness, my costs are so trivial when I think about the cost that those mamas are paying to have homes and families that are centered on Christ. They're paying the ultimate cost. But whatever cost we pay, it's worth it. It is worth it. And the cost is temporary. You know, the cost may be painful and hurtful, and it may cost us our very lives on, on earth side, but, but our time on earth is so fleeting. We have an eternal gain in this cost. It is worth it all because he is worthy and he is the one that we are living for and that we are sacrificing these things for. He is worthy. And again, I, I've said it several times, but in light of what God did for us, we can we can do anything for him. Even if it requires giving our life that sacrifice. I've been so challenged by the testimonies of Christians that I've seen come out of the Afghanistan situation where they just say, hey, we're going to stand for Christ no matter what. And it's challenged me to think, goodness, should something like that come into my life? What would my answer be? Um, and, and that, that's a convicting thought, you know, but, but I, you know, we have to be willing to pay the cost that it takes to be Christ-centered, to be a Christian, to be someone who is just radically in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, I think the more that we fall in love with Christ, the, the greater he is in our eyes and in our heart, the less, the less the cost, the, the less weight, I guess is what I'm trying to say, that the cost has on us. You know, and, and the study of who God is, I've said this before, nothing has affected me more in my walk with the Lord than studying out who he is from scripture and who he desires to be to me. He wants to be my savior. He wants to be my all in all. He wants to be my my security. He wants to be enough. And who is he? He is the trustworthy one. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the prince of peace. He is the one who redeems. He is the one who transforms. Just, just so many things. I could go on and on. You know, again, in, in tying up this, the whole cost, I have grown. I can see my love for the Lord growing more and more as I study and know him deeper and deeper. And I think that's that's where those Christians had to be who were willing to say, I'll die and, and I'll let my family die for this because we love the Lord. We love something greater. We are so captivated by something that is beyond anything this earth has to offer. This is no cost. This this is a, a gift. We get to give him our very lives. And oh goodness, I need to move on. Um, 
you know, but, but the Lord is worthy. Matthew 16, 24 and 25 says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. The cross is a place of death and sacrifice. And God tells us, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. You know, I, I'm not going to go off this rabbit trail, but just briefly mention you know, there's so much, especially in um, in our Western world and America, of this prosperity gospel of, oh, well, if you just love the Lord, then he's going to give you wealth and happiness and just all these wonderful things are going to come to you. That's not what the Bible says. God said, hey, if you're going to follow me, you got to take up your cross. You have to take up the cross that is that place of death, the place of sacrifice, the place of yielding of oneself to to God's purpose, but it's worth it. So let's move on to point four. Let's not leave it at the cost. Let's leave it at the crown, the crown of a Christ-centered family. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You know, in Revelation, it talks about the crowns that will cast at Christ's feet. And I believe there are five different crowns that that a person can earn. I'm not going to go into what all those crowns are and how you get them. Um, but I will tell you up front, there is not a crown for being a Christ-centered family. That's not a crown that you can earn and cast at his feet. So I don't want to cause confusion there as I talk about the crown of a Christ-centered family. But while there isn't necessarily a Christ-centered family crown that we can cast at Jesus' feet, the crowns that we can cast come from Christ-centered living. Um, there's the crown of the soul winner, the soul winner's crown, um, the crown of the martyr. Um, we've talked about that a little bit. But but again, if you are not a Christ-centered individual, if you don't have a Christ-centered home, if you're not teaching your kids to be Christ-centered people, then you will not earn any of the crowns that are listed in the Bible. And, you know, I believe that we all want to hear Christ say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, one day when we enter heaven. But if we want that, we have to be purposeful about stewarding what he has entrusted to us for his glory. And I've talked about that a little bit. What has God entrusted to us? Our souls, our lives, our families, our, our kids, our marriage, um, the ministries that he's given us, the opportunities that he's given us. If we want to hear that well done, ladies, it requires work. It requires sacrifice, but it's worth it. It's worth it because we will get to cast those crowns at the feet of the only one who is worthy of it all, and that is Jesus Christ. When we live in the conscious presence of God and are looking for his appearing, our perspective and priorities will be fixed on that which is eternal. And that's what I want for my home. As we try to be a Christ-centered family, I want to be a family whose eyes are fixed on the eternal, who's looking for the return of Christ, who's living in that awareness of the hope that we have in him. And I just want to encourage you and challenge you wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, grow, learn more of him, fall deeper in love with him and watch God transform you. Watch God transform your marriage and watch God transform your home and your family as you try to just be very intentional about being a family that is centered on Christ and Christ alone. So thanks so much for joining me today, ladies. I hope this episode was a blessing to your heart. I know that this study has just 
challenged me over and over again as I've went through these scriptures and thought about these truths that that God has revealed to my heart. But I'm going to close this episode out in prayer, and I look forward to joining you all next week. Father God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for how you save us and then reveal to us all Uh, of who you are, Lord. I thank you that we get to spend eternity getting to know more of you and falling more in love with you and worshiping at your feet. Lord, I pray that you will be with the ladies listening today. Be with me, God. I pray that you will just help me get out of my life and out of my home anything that is less than, anything that is secondary, and that my heart will only focus on you and you alone. I pray that you'll help these ladies, Lord. May we all pursue Christ-likeness in our our individual lives and in our marriages and in our homes as we try to raise children who will continue on and have Christ-like families, Lord. I pray that we will do what it takes, that we will be willing to to suffer if need be, whatever level of suffering that might be, Lord, but that we will just be serious about having families that are attached firmly to you, Lord. I pray that you will grow us. I pray that you will mold us more into your image as our hearts seek to be tuned to be like yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.